We do have our last panelist on Estonia. The first speaker will be Paul Sturton, and the title of his paper is Cultural Trauma, Koch, Kozma, and Hungarian Design in the First World War. And each speaker is going to speak for 20 minutes, and then, um, so please save your questions for the end. Well, what I'm going to speak about today is a phase in um, Central European design, which is generally uh, marginalised, particularly domestic design, uh, in the general histories of the period, and indeed is, in my view, grossly misrepresented uh, in much of it. But to do so, I've only come to it recently from a different point of view, which is to see it through the lens of the First World War. Now, the, the First World War had a particular impact in Hungary, in a way it had a particular impact in every country, but it was widely regarded as a national catastrophe on a level which is hardly comparable to any of the other combatant countries. And in that phase between 1918 and 1920, Hungary underwent uh, the uh, collapse of the uh, imperial family and an abdication, the loss of the war, a bourgeois revolution, followed by a Soviet revolution, followed by an invasion by Romanian and French troops, followed by the imposition of a right-wing dictatorship which introduced a reign of terror for two years in which leftists, Jews and others were summarily executed. This was all in the space of roughly 18 months. The conclusion to this was the peace treaty which stripped Hungary of two-thirds of its territory and two-thirds of its population and it shaped Hungarian and Central European politics for uh, arguably until now. Uh, and I will be coming back to that uh, in a moment. Now it's this colossal event at the centre of Hungarian history and culture, which I am increasingly coming to see as a very shaping influence on the culture, design and indeed all the visual arts. And what I'm going to be looking at in this is the work primarily of one designer, Lajos Kozma, uh, and his friend and counterpart, uh, Karoly Kosh. Now, many of you may have come across Kosh, uh, but Cosma is less well known. However, in Hungary, Cosma is, if not a household name, a very prominent figure. The annual principal prize for the outstanding student in the Academy of Applied Arts, when they were considering what the prize should be called, it was proposed it perhaps should be the Mahoy Nudge, known to most people in Britain and America as Mahoy Nudge Prize. Uh, but it was decided to call this the Lajos Cosma Prize, since he was clearly a much more important designer. Now, Cosma begins this career, begins his career like many of his generation who became known as the Fiatolok, the young ones, firmly embedded in the traditions of vernacular revival. And on the left-hand side, correct, yes, you will see uh, 
an example of his furniture from the uh, phase just after he graduated from college uh, in 1907 when he was working with Bela Laita and a number of others. Fifteen years later, on the right-hand side, is the black lacquered cabinet, which is now in the Wolfsonian collection in Miami, and is probably the best example, certainly in America, and I think in the English-speaking world, of this phase of Central European neo-baroque, uh, which I'm going to be tracing in this talk. If we look at the way in which Koch fits into this, both Koch and Cosma studied architecture and design in the Technical University in Budapest, graduated in the same year, and formed this group, as I say, known as the Young Ones, which very quickly moved to the centre of Hungarian uh, design culture. Indeed, uh, they were also immersed in the revival of vernacular traditions, above all looking to Transylvania, that region in eastern Hungary at that stage, which was felt to have an uncorrupted tradition of uh, crafts which stretched back to the pre-Ottoman days, in other words almost medieval culture. It's quite interesting that Kozma and Kosh were also outstanding printmakers and there was a constant dialogue in their work between uh, the, not so much the making of furniture but certainly the design of their furniture and interiors and their printmaking and draftsmanship. Um, you can see in these two examples here, the Cosma is on the left and the Koch on the right. Uh, this is a, uh, an example, really, of the celebration of those village crafts that they believed were largely uncorrupted by either Ottoman or, uh, influence or indeed uh, uh, industrialization. <coughs> on the right hand, these are both uh, woodcuts, by the way. Um, on the right-hand side is one of a series called The Song of Attila, um, both looking to aspects of the Transylvanian crafts which were still alive in this period. Indeed, the two figures were amongst the key uh, designers and writers for the principal uh, young arts and crafts journal uh, called Ahaz, the house, um, which was produced between 1907 and 1908. Remember, these designers are about 24, 23. Uh, there's only three issues. It's interesting, Ahaz doesn't exist, or exists in only one uh, Anglo-American library. Uh, again, the Wolfsonian, I should say, because much of this comes from a fellowship that I had there. Um, there isn't one in the British Library or Library of Congress. Ahaz is one of the great manus uh, one of the great uh, journals of design vernacular traditions and indeed archaeology. And it took contributions from people like Bela Bartok, from uh, Kodai, from a number of other writers, anthropologists, ethnologists, as well as the uh, designers at the centre of this. Now, Koch's reputation shot ahead almost immediately. Within two years of graduating, he had received commissions for a church, eight zoo buildings, a school, 
This is part of the zoo that you can uh, see here. Uh, his drawing on the top left and in the actual birdhouse on the bottom right. Uh, as well as that's the model which survives from Koshi's studio of the Buffalo House. All conceived as Transylvanian churches. It's a, quite an interesting phenomenon to see buffaloes, birds and crocodiles wandering around uh, these village uh, houses. It's a very traditional uh, type of architecture which you can still see. And indeed it was part of this much larger national push towards the construction of a Hungarian identity separate from the Austrian identity which had in a way been brought together with the Ausgleich of 1867 which created the, the dual monarchy or the joint um, empire. So Koch and Cosma were not leading in this, they were following what had begun really in the 1890s Lots of ethnographic developments, like Malonyai's five-volume Art of the Hungarian Peoples, which documented, listed, interviewed, photographed, and took watercolour paintings of various regions, and indeed began to celebrate specific places, notably Kurushvil, the village in the Kalotaseg, in the western part of Transylvania, which was easily accessible, but which was felt to have one of the finest Calvinist churches. And this goes right up to national policy. When the Hungarians come to exhibit in St. Louis in 1904, which was very important to them, they had not been able to exhibit independently in Chicago almost ten years earlier. So they put a huge, they got a huge budget together and one of their leading designers, Paul Horty, produced this elaborate Transylvanian village inside the main display hall. And this was translated into design teaching. A lot of the people who'd been involved in the art of the Hungarian peoples and indeed the World's Fairs were designing uh, vernacular revival furniture, which was turned into a uh, mintavapok, which is basically copy sheets, pattern books used for students in the Museum and School of Applied Arts. The Museum and School of Applied Arts had been set up on the model of the Royal College and the Victoria and Albert Museum directly. Now, what you might notice from this, this relationship between the arts and crafts revivalism of the vernacular and the sense that they were preserving a living tradition and looking, in many respects, to reflect the simplest forms of craftsmanship. Great emphasis, for example, on plank-style furniture, a very simple mode of uh, preparing the wood. And this is a... This is, uh, Torotskai Vigond, who was one of the leading figures in the arts and crafts colony of Gödelö, um, which was probably best written up by Katalin uh, Kesheru in the Journal of Design and History's very first issue. Um, she documented much of this. But Koch moved far beyond this, to the extent that he was able to build a large suburban housing scheme inspired by the vernacular revival and this is it that you can see here Vekerle on the edge of Budapest he's still only 26 and he has commissioned 
for roughly 400 houses and 15 public buildings. That's apart from the zoo, the two churches, the two schools and a number of other projects that he was working on. Now, what disrupts this and breaks the whole pattern is the outbreak of the war. Hungary loses Transylvania in 1919 and Koch, feeling that he must defend the interests of the beleaguered Hungarian village community, chooses to abandon Budapest and go and live in Transylvania, where he fights a rearguard action, trying to bolster and defend those interests during a period of very aggressive, what's known as Romanianization. I'm trying not to be pejorative or too judgmental. The Hungarians had maintained a policy of aggressive what they called Magyarization in the, in the period before it. But the effect of this in 1920 was to create this deep scar, which is now known as the cultural trauma of the Magyars, uh, where uh, the older shape of the Kingdom of Hungary is that in red, and the modern state of Hungary is that in yellow or gold at the centre of that. This is one of a series, this is, came, comes from a, one of a series of very uh, aggressive propaganda campaigns to try and redress the um, uh, terms of the Treaty of Trianon, which I couldn't resist uh, as an example of how they felt it was unfair. They sent this to Britain. <laughs> rather prescient with the forthcoming uh, election, but uh, you get an idea of the, the rather hysterical tone and also this sense that it is so outrageous that they feel they have to address this directly. And it shapes Hungarian cultural, political and domestic policy for the next 20-30 years, constantly invoking this view of Hungary as a martyr as a victim and, as they've said, a nation sentenced to death. The publicity and propaganda being produced not in Hungarian, but of course in English, German and French to persuade the other powers of the importance of this. Koch, as I've said, retired at this stage to Hungary. Having had a series of major projects, he wasn't 30, he didn't produce another single build, another major building for the rest of his life. He died in 1977. So 90% of his work was in the first five years of his career, when he was probably the most famous architect in Hungary. And the next 50 years, he was a marginal figure. He ran his own private press from his house, and uh, he tried to set up a... a, a form of um, guild of handicraft based on Ashby's influence, but it was not successful. Now look at the difference between the graphics that Koch was producing, a lino cut, as opposed to Cosma, who moved to the mainstream of commercial high-quality publishing with Knair in 1921. And indeed, during the war, he had undergone a radical transformation of his uh, assessment of what was really important for uh, Hungary, producing these drawings for his daughter, which uh, began just as Zsuzsa Bergen Gotchabon, which is Susie in Fairyland, not published till 1921. They're rather nice drawings, 
What's his name? But they look like fantasy drawings. Except some of them get translated into furniture that is produced commercially. No, including the piece on the right. Now this might look rather ridiculous, but the transformation in Cauchy's, Cosma's work was that he was moving away from a vernacular revival to one that looked to the neo-baroque, the 18th century style that was felt to best exemplify the stable bourgeois gentry values that had been overrun by liberalism and the left in the 19th and early 20th century. It becomes, in effect, the style of the Christian right middle class who had been instrumental in the uh, success of the uh, right-wing dictatorship. This is its original forms, a large-scale, rural, uh, heavily uh, decorated style. Now, this, giving it its new national characteristic, seemed to replace the vernacular, but it wasn't solely uh, nationalistic Christian right form. It was also a form which was felt to be uh, bound up with recent intellectual moves. Cosma gave a series of lectures in the Technical University during the Soviet Republic on style, which his lecture notes are largely based on the writings of Heinrich Wölflin and Riegel, both of whom were beginning to write about the fact that the Renaissance was a preliminary stage to a more sophisticated style of uh, volumetric and spatial identity, in other words, the Baroque, and rejecting the Ruskinian view that the early and more primitive styles were somehow correct. It's also international. The neo-Baroque of the 1920s was part of an international movement very different from Anglo-French tendencies, reflecting the new political and cultural allegiances in Central Europe, especially Austria and Germany, countries which had been kept at arm's length before the First World War were now the defeated allies who were essential to reconstruct their economies. So Austria and Germany were now part of a unit with Hungary trying to establish a new cultural and political hegemony in Central Europe in the ruins of the war. This is what Dagobert Pecke was producing in 1920 for the Wiener Werkstätte. It's not at all like the uh, pre-war material of Hoffmann and the other uh, people associated with the secession. It's highly playful, it's very decorative. And if we look at some of Peck's work just before and after the war, it bears a strong relationship to the work that Cosma was producing. Could I just ask, has, any, has anyone seen work by Dagobert Pecker? You have? But not everyone. Yeah. He is arguably the single most important Austrian furniture and interior designer of the interwar period, although he died relatively young. But uh, I'm sure most people here have heard of Hoffmann. Anyway, just a small point. 
And this indeed reflected an international collaboration between Germany, Austria. Cosma's work was better known in these countries than it was in Hungary, primarily through the medium of Innendecoration, a journal which had begun as an arts and crafts and secessionist journal in the 1890s, but which by 1919 had moved over to the neo-baroque, the cover as you can see, and its decorative forms. It was Innendecoration and indeed Alexander Koch's publishing house who promoted the work of Peche and Cosma throughout the German and Hungarian-speaking lands of Central Europe. And indeed it was this style which, unlike the, uh, or sorry, similar to the earlier vernacular style, was now being taught in the College of Applied Arts. This is a drawing on the top by a student in the School of Applied Arts from 1923. And also, it demonstrates that this approach to furniture design reflected that Wiener Werkstätten model. Small-scale production, because Central European, uh, the Trianon had redrawn the boundaries and excluded many of the areas where hung uh, Hungarian industry and raw materials were. They were not in a position to move towards uh, any form of industrial production and instead this kind of small-scale production encouraging close collaboration between a smaller group of predominantly metropolitan very often Jewish clients and the designers was where this was promoted. Now this had already been begun in the Budapest movie, the Budapest workshop modelled on the Wiener Werkstätte. So after the war it was produced through a series of very intimate relationships between a relatively small group. Now this is the bedroom suite for a lady, illustrated by Koch in 1924. I have not been able to find where. They've said in the, that that it was in Budapest, but most people think it was probably in Germany. You'll see how the neo-baroque operates here. It's quite theatrical, very playful. And indeed, this dressing room or anteroom to the bedroom, highly feminised and more rococo than the Baroque, even has a stage-like setting. So I'm sorry. Which that gives you an idea of the basic layout of it. There's a very tall atrium space on the left, and if I go back to it, leads you into this much smaller space and you can see the position. Also the critics of the period recognised that this type of furniture was uniquely related to the individual who commissioned it and saw it in terms of family relations. They said that the furniture itself has a familial animalistic quality where each one is related to another through style. And if I uh, can quote very briefly where they are um, they are the people, the space. The critics drew on metaphors referring to family values and individualism. And I'm quoting. In the apartment are distinctively shaped pieces of furniture in different colours, which look to us like animated figures. Just as close relatives bring fresh life into the family circle with their individual quirks of character, so the differences in the furniture introduce an elegant vitality to the unity of the room. A red sofa was grouped together with its younger brother, a blue armchair. 
Now, this does not last for very long. However, it feeds directly into a high mat style using the folk elements of it in southern Germany, which is ultimately written up by many German and English-speaking scholars as the roots of the folkish style that translates into what's known loosely as a Nazi style, which is not the case. It's a simplification. And so what I wanted to indicate with this and this final work is just to point out that the Neo-Baroque was perhaps short-lived, but the historiography of it has been completely suppressed in favour of a view that somehow it's an interruption before we get on to the real business of modernism. In fact, it carries on right through into the 1940s when it is killed off and it finds manifestations in a series of forms and in a series of journals that are rarely used by design historians or architectural historians. Thank you. Rebecca Bell from is entitled 